Thank you for listening to sermon podcasts from the Anglican Church Noosa. On this second week of Advent, our topic is hope-filled expectation. The preacher is Reverend Chris Johnson. Our second reading is from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 1 to 11, here on page 1188 of your Pew Bibles. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labour pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You're all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, they sleep at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet, for God did not appoint to us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, as you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you who are new today, my name's Chris Johnson. I'm the senior minister here, and um, it's my privilege to bring the message this morning. So I add my welcome to Linda's. Down through the centuries, uh, there have been many attempts to predict the date for the second coming. Let me recall a few. Hippolytus of Rome predicted the date 500. Johann Jacob predicted 1694. Joseph Smith, who founded the Mormons, predicted 1891. Herbert W. Armstrong predicted a number of dates. He started with 1935, he then said 1943, 1972 and 1975. I guess if at first you can't succeed, just keep trying. You might get lucky. Hal Lindsay, he thought uh, Jesus would return no later than 1988. Jerry Falwell thought it would be somewhere in the decade from 1999 to 2009. And of course, many people thought that the turn in millennium in two, year 2000, that that would be the return of Christ. Well, every attempt to predict the date for the second coming has been an epic fail. <laughs> Is that right? And a sign that people just haven't been reading their Bibles. Because what does 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 say to us? Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. You see, Paul's saying, don't get fussed about times and dates for the second coming, because it'll be like a thief in the night. Just as nobody knows when the thief will come, so nobody knows when Jesus will return. And of course, Jesus taught the same thing, didn't he? 
in a number of places, but if you uh, look in Acts 1-7, just before he ascended, he said this, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. So if people were just a little bit more conversant with their Bibles, they would realise how futile it is to try and predict the date for Jesus' return and they would not follow some of these uh, false disciples trying to predict it. However, can I say that uh, it's possible for people to go to the other extreme of actually dismissing the second coming altogether. Some people, you see, would see it just as a doctrine for nutters, you know, like some of those people I've just been talking about. Better to simply get on with being a Christian now and uh, not worry about, uh, you know, a parousia and a Christ returning and uh, supernatural things like that. Well, the Apostle Paul strongly denies both those extremes. He doesn't want the Thessalonians thinking they can predict the date, but he doesn't want them denying the second coming either. What he does want is for them to have a hope-filled expectation of the Lord's return a hopeful expectation that he is coming. And he wants them to live as children of the day, eagerly encouraging one another with this expectation of Christ's return. So let's look at the passage a little more closely. If you have uh, 1, Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians 5 there in front of you, you'll probably find it very helpful. In verse 2, the apostle describes Christ's return as the day of the Lord. Now, that's a phrase from the prophets. The prophets looked forward to a day of the Lord when God would visit this earth and put everything right. They paint a beautiful picture of God's righteous reign where God will dwell with his people and the whole world, including all human life, will be restored to its former glory. And especially the prophet Isaiah paints beautiful pictures of God coming to be with his people and things being restored. This popular expectation of the day of the Lord is that it would be a beautiful day of salvation. However, there was a prophet who took a different view, and that's Amos. He said this, he said, the day of the Lord will be darkness, not light. In the 8th century BC uh, in Israel, uh, the people had become very proud and unbelieving. And so Amos told those people, the day of the Lord for you will be a, a day of judgment, not a day of salvation. Uh, not a day of light, but a day of darkness. That was Amos's message. Now, it's interesting that Paul picks up this image of light and darkness day and night uh, when he talks to the Thessalonians about this day of the Lord. He tells them to not sleep like those who sleep at night, but to be children of the day, ready for Christ's return. And there's two images here for being ready. One is the thief in the night, and the other one is pregnancy. Firstly, the thief. The thief thief comes suddenly and unexpectedly, doesn't he? He doesn't send you a letter saying, I'm planning to visit you on such and such a date. (laughs) No. He just turns up, and if your house isn't secure, well, bad luck. You see, you have to be prepared. In the case of pregnancy, uh, the event to come is expected, isn't it? Although you don't know exactly when. The power, I think, of this image is that what is about to happen is inevitable and unavoidable. Is that right, ladies? Inevitable and unavoidable. You know it's coming, but you just don't know exactly when. Paul is saying that people who think the second coming doesn't apply to them 
People who say, oh, peace and safety, everything's all right, it'll just keep going the way it always has, we're okay, and dismiss the second coming. He's saying these people will not escape the coming judgment, just as a woman cannot escape the pains of childbirth. Paul's saying in this passage that people are in one of two categories. They are either the children of the night, children of darkness, or they are children of the day and children of light. Firstly, what does it mean to belong to the night, to to the darkness? Paul says two things here about the night. He says it's a time when people sleep. It's a time also when people get drunk. I think it's also a time when people commit crime, isn't it? (laughs) Because under the cover of darkness, guess what? People think they might get away with it. But let's just explore Paul's uh, two ideas here about the night. Firstly, that of sleep. Uh, This is a spiritual metaphor for those who've shut the Lord out of their lives. They're getting along in life quite happily using their own wit and wisdom. They don't see a need for God or for faith. And they certainly don't want to think about the second coming of Christ. I mean, what a rude interruption is that? (laughs) On our tour of Morocco, uh, there was a jovial American gent there who, a number of times, he this is his little mantra for life, I think, he, he said, I don't watch the news anymore. It's just all about murders and wars, and it stops you enjoying life. <laughs> Better to not watch it, and then you can ha- be happy. Well, to me, that's being asleep. <laughs> that's just shutting out the reality of sin that is in our world and in each one of us. Uh, it's being a person of the night and not being ready, being spiritually asleep. The second idea here about the night that Paul talks about is people getting drunk. Now, this isn't a metaphor. This is reality. Some people's idea of a great night out is to get blind drunk, uh, probably to blur the pain of life. And that's as far as I can see. Uh, When I was a theological student at Ridley College in Melbourne, uh, I would come back to Brisbane every Christmas holidays. And uh, I I had a job driving a cab uh, to put myself through college. And the way it worked was the owner of the cab would drive during the day and then hand it over to the mug student to do the night shift. And that was me. (coughs) And I discovered a side of Brisbane I've never seen before. One night at 3 a.m. in the morning, I pulled it, uh, it turned a corner into George Street in the city and was stopped by a police roadblock. And the police had cordoned off this whole section of George Street, one end here and one end over there, and in the middle of the street was this riot. Uh, what had happened is the nightclub had just closed and all the crowd had poured out onto the street fighting one another. And the police had paddy wagons at both ends of this, these roadblocks And they were just going in and picking them off one by one (laughs) and taking them away. But I was shocked to see that happening in my, what I thought was a quiet, very safe city. So Paul is saying that night is a time when people get drunk. And this is ungodly behaviour. It comes under a human court's judgment, as I'm sure those people found out. But it also comes under God's judgment. So the Apostle Paul uh, says here in verse 4, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness. And in verse 5, he goes on to say, we do not belong to the night or to the darkness. 
And in verse 6, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Paul says, rather than being children of the night, the Thessalonians are children of the light and children of the day, verse 5. And he goes on in verse 8 to say, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. I think it's interesting that uh, when Paul talks about what it means to be a child of the light, that he talks about putting on the armour of God. You see, being a child of the light is not about tiptoeing through the tulips. It's about knowing you have faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Paul follows a similar theme in Romans 13, 12, where he says, The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. And this idea of the armour is developed most fully in Ephesians 5. The details there are not exactly the same as uh, here in Thessalonians. Uh, and we won't go into those details, but uh, it's, that's simply a warning to us to not get too bogged down in the particulars of this metaphor. But to realise that overall what it's saying to us is that we are in a battle. There is light fighting against the darkness. And if we're children of the light, we are enlisted in that battle. And our weapons are not spears and guns. Our weapons are faith, love and hope. Faith, love and hope. And those three great qualities, I hope they sound very familiar, because where else do they appear in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 13. Famous chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, at the end of the chapter, Paul says, These three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so in Corinthians, Paul puts the emphasis on love, but here in Thessalonians, he's putting the emphasis on hope. And that's because his theme is the return of Christ, and that's the great Christian hope. But all three are important. Faith, love, and hope. All three are needed if we are to put on the armour of God and take our, up our place in fighting the darkness. Now, verse 9 goes on to make it uh, very clear that to be a child of the day is to receive salvation. But to be a child of the night is to suffer God's wrath. You see, salvation always has a from aspect and a to aspect. We are saved from God's just wrath against the darkness of our sin, but we are saved to then become children of light and belong to God. It's always being saved from something for something else. Uh, Probably one of the reasons so many take Christianity lightly is they don't realise how high the stakes are. They don't really believe there is a judgment day when God's wrath will be upon all sin. It's only when we realise what we've been saved from, his judgment on our sin, that we realise how magnificent is the gospel, is the grace, and all we get in grace uh, and in the gospel. It's understanding what we've been saved from that makes what we're being saved to all the more wonderful. 
And Paul says the children of light have been appointed to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason we can have that assurance of salvation, he goes on there in verse 10 to say, because Jesus died for us. And there's so much in that little phrase, isn't there? Jesus died for us. Paul expands that elsewhere in other epistles, but here he simply states it as a fact. He died for us. And that means our sin has been paid for and we are set free and we can have the assurance of eternal life. My friends, uh, this morning I would like you to leave here having an assurance that you are a child of the day, a child of the light. I'd like you to leave here with hopeful expectation. Do you love Jesus above everything else? Have you put on the armour of faith, love and hope? And are you engaged in the battle with the darkness? Are you looking forward to his coming and being with him forever? My friends, if that's your heart's desire, then you can be sure about the day of the Lord. You can be sure that you won't be caught out like a thief in the night or the labour pains uh, of a woman who's pregnant. Uh, You can be sure uh, if that's your heart and uh, you know you are a a child of the light, a child of the day. This day of the Lord then will be a day of great joy and delight. So even now, come Lord Jesus, let me pray. Lord, we long for the day of the Lord. We know it will be a day of judgment for those who reject you but a day of salvation for those who are longing for you and the coming of your kingdom. Show us what it means to live as children of the day, living for the kingdom and knowing the assurance of your salvation. Show us how to encourage one another and build one another up in this way. And we pray it for Jesus' sake and his glory. So come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. The Anglican Church Noosa is an evangelical Anglican church on the northern end of the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Our vision is living to love and proclaim Jesus. Our core values are being Christ-centred, Bible-based, spirit-led and mission-shaped. If you have found this sermon helpful and would like to contribute to the ongoing ministry of ACN, please go to our website, anglicanchurchnoosa.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening.